All right, welcome to class, and thank you to Seth Myers for the opportunity to teach this evening, and we're going to jump right in. Just as he said, it's not right that you get 15 minutes to discuss uh, the greatest Christian, perhaps, in all of the Bible, the Apostle Paul. Uh, we want to give you just a taste of these great men in church history so that you'll want to go back and read them. Have you ever eaten something before? And it gave you a taste and you wanted to eat more and more and more. That's what we want to do with these classes. And let me just say uh, a couple items before we get into our first, which is Justin Martyr. Uh, I want these lectures to be as practical as possible. So when I'm teaching, I'm not going to give a lot of dates. I want to pull out character. I also want these to be biblical. So make sure that you bring your Bible. I will spend a small portion of our time at the end talking about Scripture and talking about Christ. So make sure uh, that you bring your Bibles and that you have your notes with you. Um, I'd also like to ask questions at the end of each lecture. I'll probably close off the listening device here and then ask a few questions. And then finally, I'd like to experiment a little bit on the best uh, method, boys, of teaching. So... Uh, for this evening, I decided not to print out notes for you, although I have them with me. I thought about giving you handouts. I'm not going to give you handouts today. Another week, I might try handouts. Another week, I might try blanks. Maybe even one, we'll try to get a, a projector in here and see if that helps you. I'm going to try different methods and see what you, what you relate to the most. This just gives a little overview of what we're trying to do in this class, and this breaks it down a little bit so that you can understand the first section of church history, we just finished with the Apostle Paul up here. And now somewhere around 100 to 500, maybe 550 to 500, we have this section called the Church Fathers. And among the Church Fathers, we can break that down even into subcategories. The first subcategory underneath the Church Fathers would be the Apostolic Fathers. These would be men that actually do the Apostles personally. You have men like Clement, who said that he was, he was friends with the Apostle John. You have people like Polycarp, who was apparently friends with the Apostle John. And that makes sense, since John was the last Apostle to die. A great story about Polycarp is towards the end of his life, he was 86 years old. The Lord had blessed him with many years. There was great persecution at that time. And the Roman Empire was persecuting the Christians. And they came to Polycarp and they told him to recant. They said, what to be a shame for a man with white hair to be killed by lions or to have his head removed. And he said famously, the Lord has given me 86 years on this earth and he's always been faithful to me. How can I now be unfaithful to him? And he was killed for his faith. The next section here we have is the Apologist Fathers. And we're going to be talking about Justin Martyr today. So this is the first guy that we'll be talking about. And then we'll skip some of these men and we'll go down here, Tertullian. You'll probably read about him in that church history book. What an amazing figure, Tertullian. We're not going to have time to talk about him. 
But we are going to talk about Cyprian, and we're going to talk about Athanasius. They're called the African Fathers because there was a time in church history where the center of Christianity was in northern Africa. So if you look at the map that you were given by Pastor Seth, at the bottom of the map, when you see Asia Minor at the top, at the bottom, just off the screen there, with the Mediterranean Sea at the north, you'll have North Africa. And that is where some of the great Christians of the past come from. So we call them the African Fathers. Then you have the Latin Fathers, not next week, but then the following week we'll talk about one of the giants, maybe the greatest giant in church history, Augustine. And then you have the medieval leaders. So you have the church fathers, about 100 to 500. I know these dates are boring, so I'm not going to mention dates much at all. Then you have the medieval leaders. This is for another 500 years. And you have men like John Wycliffe and John Huss. Sometimes they're called pre-reformers because they preceded the big boys right here. And this is when we come to Martin Luther, 1500 and on, and we come to Martin Luther, and we come to Bollinger, and we come to Calvin, and we come to Melanchthon, and we'll get to all those men, the reformers. And after that, you have the missions movement, and then you have the modern movement in Christianity today. That gives you a little idea of what we're striving for. Imagine church history like a river. And you're following this river, and there's times when you can see the river very clearly. Everyone knows it's there. But there's other times where the river slowly moves into the shadows of the forest, and you're not quite sure where the river is. There's places when the river is very, very deep, and the water is clean. And there's other places in the river where it's very, very shallow, and you can barely see it. In church history, there are times of immense theological learning and great men of the faith. But there's other times, sometimes called the Dark Ages. Hundreds of years going on when you wonder where the church is. In the beginning of the church, they're not dealing with the heavy doctrines like predestination. They're not going into the deep, deep waters there. They're mainly preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they're defending the church against those who are attacking the deity of Christ. So here is our first character that we're going to learn about today. And it's this man right here. His name is Justin Martyr. Well, his name was Justin, and he wasn't given the title Martyr until after he was martyred. But his name is Justin Martyr, and one of the things that we're going to pull out from Justin Martyr's life today is how God has used the wisdom of older men to change the course of church history. You know, we live in a world today that worships youth. Gray hair brings embarrassment to people. 
People fear getting older. Today we live in a world that praises athletes, vim, vigor, enthusiasm, energy, and the world does not listen very carefully to the wisdom of the aged. And this is foolish, and this is short-sighted, because as we'll learn in the story today, God used the elderly wisdom of an unknown man to change the course of church history. Justin was born in Palestine around 100 AD, not long after the death of Christ and his apostles. As with many great men of church history, his parents were not believers. Many of you here today are first generation Christians. Your parents are not believers. Well, Justin's parents weren't believers either. But his parents were wealthy and they were influential. And so they sent their son, Justin, to the best schools in the land. He moved to a town called Ephesus, where he received some of the greatest education that you could receive at that time, primarily in pagan philosophy. He also took many trips abroad, and it was during these journeys that he saw, for the first time, Christian martyrs. And though he wasn't a believer at this time, as he traveled, he began to see Christians dying for their faith, and he respected that. And he said, I admire that. They have something I don't have. Justin was not a Christian yet. But the young man was impressed with the courage of these believers who showed courage as their enemies killed them for their faith. Well, one day when Justin was 30 years old, he experienced an unexpected event as he was walking down the seashore in Ephesus. There was an old man who was walking down as the waves were crashing against his feet. This old man had a scruffy appearance. And he came up to Justin and he began sharing with him the gospel. He began telling him the truth of Jesus Christ and the meaning of life. Justin had been searching for the truth for most of his life, of those 30 years. He had listened to the most important teachers of his day. He had been trained in the greatest schools and universities, but it brought him no comfort. And so the old man did what all Christians should do. He pointed him to the Bible. Pointed him to the Bible. And he said to Justin, Search the scriptures. Search the scriptures. And when this old man spoke to Justin and said, Search the scriptures, many people today would be tempted and say, You don't know what you're talking about. Don't you know? I'm educated, I have degrees. 
He said that even the world's most intelligent men are fools compared to the wisdom of Christ. And so Justin did a very wise thing. He listened to the gray-haired man and he read the scriptures. And what he found in the Bible is what he had been looking for his entire life. And the Holy Spirit brought wisdom to his mind. The Holy Spirit opened his eyes for the first time. The Holy Spirit softened his heart for the first time. He had been in darkness and now he was in the light. The Holy Spirit warmed his heart that had been long cold towards spiritual truths. And Justin said this, quote, My spirit was immediately set on fire. And an affection for the prophets and for those who are friends of Christ took hold of me. Justin had been born again. Most people in Justin's day misunderstood Christianity and therefore they poured heavy persecution upon the followers of Jesus. They thought Christians were cannibals because they talked about eating Christ's flesh and drinking his blood. They thought believers were unfriendly because they would not participate in pagan parties. They believed Christ's disciples were atheists because they would not worship Caesar as Lord. The wise man in Justin's time believed Christians were foolish barbarians. And Justin wanted to show that Jesus' disciples actually have the only foundation for truth, which is the word of God. Well, in Justin's day, there was a group of wise men. They were called philosophers. Philosophy means the love of wisdom. And these philosophers were pagans, which means they weren't Christians. But they loved studying wisdom. They loved searching for the source of wisdom. And they believed that the source of wisdom was something called the Logos. Now, the Logos comes from a Greek word that means word, or it means reason. And we get our English word, what? Logic. Logic from that. So, for example, they would say the reason that one plus one equals two, and that gravity pushes water downhill, is because the Logos ordered it that way. Now, this is interesting with Justin because he differed a little bit from this guy right here, Tertullian. Tertullian had a famous phrase, and he said this, What does Jerusalem have to do with Athens? Athens. That's just a fancy way of saying Jerusalem is a picture of Christianity, and Athens is a picture of atheism. You can't bring those two together. Don't try to take that pagan philosophy and somehow Christianize it. That's Tertullian. But Justin Martyr said, No, I think, I think all truth is God's truth. And even though they're pagans, they still have some truth, even though they don't know how they got that truth. And I'm going to try to show how aspects of philosophy can point people to Christ. And so Justin Martyr 
took a hold of this idea of Logos. He took a, a hold of where those pagans were at the time. And he said, okay, let's talk about the Logos. Actually, I believe in the Logos too. But here's the difference. The Logos is not an it. It's a he. The Logos is a person. And Justin Martyr gets his Bible and he opens to, or what his version of the Bible was at that time, and he said, look at John 1.1. In the beginning was the Logos, the Word. That's Jesus. And the Logos, the Word, was with God. And the Logos, Word, Jesus, was God. Well, Justin became a traveling preacher. He became a traveling evangelist. He became a missionary and a philosopher, telling everyone he could about the Lord Jesus Christ that had saved him. Justin wrote many books, but the three most popular were, number one, First Apology. And First Apology was a book where he argued that only Christianity has the full truth. The second book he wrote was called Second Apology. And in this book, he insisted that Christians should not be executed for their faith. And then the third famous book that he wrote was called Dialogue with Trifo. And this last book was a conversation that he had with a, a Jewish teacher called a rabbi. And in this book, he tried to prove that the Christian faith is superior to the Jewish faith. Well, Justin continued to write books and defend the faith until the reign of a religious Roman emperor by the name of Marcus Aurelius. And this man hated Christians, even though he was religious, but it was after false gods. Soon Justin and six others were arrested, beaten, and beheaded because of their faith in Christ. Justin Martyr said, We desire nothing more than to suffer for our Lord Jesus Christ. For this gives us salvation and joyfulness before his dreadful judgment seat at which all the world must appear. Justin was later given the name Martyr because of his violent death for refusing to worship the Roman idols. God had used the gray hairs of an unknown believer along the sandy coastline of Ephesus to convert one of church history's greatest Christians. Now, I'd like you to take your Bibles and turn to Proverbs 20, verse 29. And the verse says this, The glory of young men is their strength, but the splendor of old men is their gray hair. It teaches us, this verse, that gray hair is beautiful because it represents what? Wisdom. And just as a crown atop a king's head should cause his subjects to kneel, so a man's white hair Listen, ought to cause 
youth to sit at his feet and drink from his fountain of wisdom. Now this doesn't mean that all men, this doesn't mean that all old men are wise. The psalmist said in Psalm 119 verse 99, I have more understanding than all my teachers. Okay, there's exceptions. The young David knew the scriptures more than his aged teachers. And he could say he had more insight than them. But I think the example of David is an exception. The rule is that older people are far wiser than younger people. If a 20-year-old wants to impress the crowd, what does he do? 50 push-ups without stopping. But a 60-year-old who wants to impress the crowd, he doesn't do push-ups. He speaks with wisdom, and he points to his life of integrity. In fact, the 60-year-old most likely doesn't even want to impress the crowd. Because he's learned that the applause of men doesn't mean much. Young people should respond to an old man's wisdom in this verse by showing him honor in three ways. Let me give you three quick ways. Just as Justin Martyr was converted because he listened to the wisdom of an older man, let me give three ways that you can show honor to the aged. First, you must show honor by thanking God for your youthful strength, but never boast about it. If you're young and you have strength, thank God for that, but don't boast about it. You can outrun your grandfather right now. You might even be able to outrun your father. Just the other day, I ran with my boys. And my goal, I had one goal, and that was after the four kilometers, it was to beat Nathan. And the good news is that I beat Nathan. And the bad news is I lost to Lawson. So he can beat his father. But one day, your bodies will lose strength. An old prophet once said, let not the mighty man boast in his might. Jeremiah 9.3. Second, you must show great honor by your attitude. Young men here, you show honor to older men with the way you carry yourself around them. Don't slouch. Don't mumble in the presence of the elderly. Leviticus 19.32 is a good reminder. You shall stand up before the gray head and honor the face of an old man and you shall fear your God, I am the Lord. Number three. You should show honor by asking questions to the gray head and then following his wise counsel. Now I'm not just speaking to the young men here because everyone has someone older than them that you can learn from. If you think you know it all, The answer is probably you know very little. In fact, you probably know so little it borders on nothing. The older you get, the more you realize how little you know. And if a young person is sitting across from an older man and the youth is doing most of the talking, there's probably an issue of pride there. Instead, let a younger person... Whether that's 20, 40, 60, or 80. Let the younger person who's speaking to an older person ask his superior about work. 
and marriage and plumbing and savings accounts and compost piles and kissing your wife and carburetors and fountain pens and tackling sleds and double-edged swords and morning devotions and every other question you can think of. This is the kind of person with humility that will one day be wise and pass it on to the next person. Now, who's the greatest example of this? It's Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus Christ did not have gray hairs, but there is no one in the history of the world who has ever had more experience than Christ. And the reason is because he's always been. He's always existed. He's never been created. And though he lived 33 years on this earth, Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, always existed. He has always been. And therefore, we come and bow before his holy word and we go to the words of Jesus knowing there is no one who has more wisdom than the Lord, Jesus Christ.